Welcome to Pro Audio Profiles. My name is Brendan Decora, and each week I'll be hosting different guests, mainly engineers and producers, but also people from across the industry. Enjoy the show. On today's show, we have David Tan. He's a producer who has credits with Mr. Jello, Adrian DeLeon, Blue, and Martin Luther McCoy. Enjoy. First and foremost, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Awesome. Um, so I'd like to start, if you could kind of go over your backstory, how you kind of got to where you are. Well, I, um, I was in probably about the seventh or eighth grade. My brother brought home some turntables. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I wanted to be like my brother. So I learned... Um, had a mix on turntables and started tagging along to parties with him and then eventually just started DJing my own on my own, um, school, high school dances, house Mm -hmm. parties, weddings, that kind of stuff. Um, and some years into that, I was curious about who was making and who was making these records that we were spinning and, and how they were created. Right. So that sparked my curiosity and, um, I took a piano class, um, flunked out of it probably twice. What? Because <laughs> I'm not good in a, in a traditional setting is what I learned. Okay. I can't be one of 30 students ah, because gotcha. I need to ask 30 Wait, questions What myself. kind of piano class is that? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it was a community college. But, okay, okay. But I learned enough to know what I learned there is that, that I, I loved creating sounds. Right. Um, right. And so that's where... That's where I started. I, I fell in love with the creation of it all, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand the full spectrum of creating, crafting songs yet. And so, um, yeah, so I joined a recording arts program at mm-hmm. Los Modanos College in Pittsburgh, okay. and that's, that's where I started. Okay. And then tell me about, you've been in an, a part of a number of different uh, acts. Yeah. Can you go over the various ones? Sure. Um, Let's see. So the first, the first project that I produced was for an R&B singer, a local singer uh, that I met at Las Madonas College in a practice room. Her name's Mia Zuniga. Mm-hmm. And so I, that, that was my first time producing anything for anybody. Right. Um, I had met a lot of musicians in the Bay Area, very talented musicians, and just kind of um, staked out at gigs. Right. And if I liked the way a player sounded, I would wait till after the show and go meet him or her um, and ask if they'd be down to do some session work. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a lot of years of doing that and just collecting a, basically a bunch of no's um, and just <laughs> until I found the right yeah. people that were willing to work with me. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, so Mia's album was the first album I produced. It's called Stories Such As These. Okay. And... Um, See where, what else have I done? Um, well, not necessarily like production stuff, but like I know you're actually part of like a musical group or two or three or four. Oh yeah, you know yeah. I mean? like, so name some of those. Yeah, off. definitely. So um, in the past maybe four years, I've been releasing music with other collaborators under mm-hmm. different um, pseudonyms. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So some of them are. Um, from the lo-fi world, uh, Mr. Jello, mm-hmm. Vincent Moon, 
uh, Bunky, um, by the Pier. Okay. There's there's several. There's probably some I'm forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> but we've been releasing a lot of lo-fi tracks um, that way. Right. So um, a lot of stuff under different names and some stuff under my name. Right. Yeah. Okay. And how do you balance the technical demands of production while keeping the artists engaged and creatively free? I think I, I like to let the artist lead in the sense that I like them to either play a song for me or you know, show me an idea right? and then follow them versus have a set, you know, there's no cookie cutter preset for me for any artist to say, oh, here's our ch- vocal chain or right. here's how we record. We record this first and that next. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of feel out the artist and right. try to find their comfort zone mm-hmm. to where they're most comfortable with being themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way when, you know, when you hit record that you get the most natural version of them. And I just try to tailor around them. Right. Yeah. Right. And how have you adopted your production techniques to suit different genres or the unique needs of individual artists? Kind of the same question. Yes. Um, (laughs) That one's not really a conscious thing. I think it comes from doing it so much with so many different people and so many different styles. Right. That you just feel it as you go. Mm-hmm. And I'm less about you know what what the textbook says I should do in the situation, of and course. more about does this feel right for me and for the artist. Right, right. And I just let that the energy in the room lead. Right. And how has technology enabled you to inspire better performances? Um, as far as in the studio, yeah. In many ways, um, the technology is so amazing, and it has a lot of pros and a lot of cons as well. Right. But some of the pros being, I mean, today we have unlimited tracks. Yeah. <laughs> so unlimited takes. Um, you know, we, we can fix things. Um, you know, fixing things in the mix now is acceptable versus what it was tw- maybe over 20 years right, ago. Right, right. Where it was something yeah. you, don't, you don't do. You record it right. Um, and now you can do as many takes as you want. You can even, you can take, the take doesn't have to be perfect because right. with the technology, you can pitch things. You yeah. can, you know, you don't have to, if you want to play something backwards, you don't have to cut tape and, right. you know, right. that kind of stuff. So <laughs> the technology allows for um, saving time, a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's that's precious time and money, right? Basically, of course. Yeah, of course. And how do you you have your your own studio? Of course, yeah. Yeah, I'm out my own home studio. Okay, yeah. so how do you like the studio environment to be set up to help you reach your creative peak? Um, I just like to have everything close to me, within reach, and right. I like to have a kind of a minimalist space so that. I can I know that I'm getting the most use out of everything that's in there and right. it's close and it's accessible. Um so I can get from A, B and C pretty quickly because mm-hmm. that's the simple system I've used. And um you know, my setup is really simple. I, I record into Reason. Okay. And I mix in Reason. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and then um you know, then I work with some really good mastering engineers. Yeah. 
but nice. it, mine is really simple in the box. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And have you ever utilized unconventional experimental techniques in the studio to unlock your creativity? Yeah, I think um, you know everything in the studio. Everything is an instrument, right? So that could mean putting the mic over by the window, opening the window to record before you even record anything outside. Just right. the opening of the window right. is a sound, right? Just any sound, yeah. The birds are so is the rain, mm -hmm. um, so is the the lote man. Right. E everything. <laughs> right. Everything is 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 it. Right. Everything's useful. So um, that's one kind of unconventional way. Um, I like to catch the, what people call like the mistakes or the outtakes or mm. things that weren't meant to be in the recording. Right. So let's say, um, let's say I have someone check the mic and instead of saying check, check, they just, they just whistle into the mic to get a signal. Okay. Um, that whistle might have sounded good against a track I was listening to. Right. Just and I might say, oh, you know record. what, can you whistle that again and we can tune it and, and, right. and make it fit into the song and just put a lot of reverb on it and delay and nice. it makes it sound like something that's yeah. not a whistle. Right. So I think I think I have a conventional and unconventional style because I'm always, my ear is always listening for those things, the stuff mm -hmm. that maybe other people aren't listening to right. and, and finding value in them. Right. And how do you tap into the emotional core of a song during recording? Normally, I'm not going to work on a song with somebody if it doesn't have an emotional core, number one. Right. Two, <laughs> we're going to speak about it. Um, yeah. What happens before, you know, the red, the red light comes on is conversation. Of course. It's conversation, not just about the song, but it's checking in, checking the person's pulse, their energy. Mm -hmm. Um, how they're feeling today, what got them to a place to write this song. Right. And so sitting in that energy already and then starting the process of recording, you kind of just lock in. Right. Um, there's that, and I keep my, my sessions closed. So okay. if you wrote this song and I'm producing this song, mm -hmm. then you're in the room and so am I, and that's it. Right. And so that keeps our energies intertwined, mm -hmm. uh, locked in the space. Right. And do you work with, do you like listen to reference tracks? Do you do pre-production with artists? I, What's your process like? I like to, um, if an artist has a reference track, I like to listen to it one time. Um, okay. Or maybe 45 seconds in. Right. Because I want to feel the energy of it. And then, um, and then I want it out. Yeah. Out of sight, <laughs> out of mind. Exactly. Yeah, but it's good to have a, a, a reference point. Mm -hmm. um, so I like it when people have, um, even if they're not playing something for me, if they could just give me a visual reference or right. give me some words or talk about what inspired this. Right, right. And then that way I can interpret, I can add my two cents onto their idea and they could bounce my, that idea back to me mm -hmm. and we can just bounce them off the wall until um, the best one sticks. Right. Yeah. Right. And how how has your approach to recording in the studio evolved over over time, and what has been the key factor in that growth? I think um, patience has been the key factor in in growth for me because early on I wanted to you know I wanted to be like my my heroes like Quincy Jones, mm -hmm. and 
you're in the studio, so you're and you're working with artists and musicians, so you think you're doing it, but and you are doing it. But what what I was missing was the 30, 40, 50 years of experience that he had, right? <laughs> and so, right. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, well, nobody was born that right. good, right? Yeah. And so a lot of the, um, you know, these great composers that we, that we idolize, all the greats and the painters, you know, it's, they're geniuses because, oh yeah, they, you know, at 12, they were composing this and that. But the right. truth is that we're not, um, we're not praising the songs that they made when they were 12 and 14 and 15 years yes. old. Right? <laughs> right. We're praising them a thousand songs in maybe. Right. And a hundred years late. Exactly. Um, so, you know, it's about the repetition. So right. over the years, having all the reps that I've done has made me more patient because before early on, I, I had a vision for an artist and I would try to pull that out of them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it wasn't there, but I wasn't mature enough to see that. Right, right. You're, you're trying right. to. It's it's like my friend C. Holiday says, trying to squeeze a, a juice from a rock. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so, I've evolved as a producer because I now I'm artist based. Like, let the artist lead. Learn mm. learn what their capabilities are, right. what their inspirations are, and then based on what they can do, use the best tools I have to help enhance their performance, right. their song. Yeah. And so I think patience in the studio and letting things unfold versus versus having to make everything happen. Sometimes mm -hmm. you just create the space for you to watch things happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I just want to take a quick break and tell you about my free guide for creating massive snare sounds. In it, I go over all my techniques from drum choices, tuning, microphone placements, even mixing techniques. Check it out now at brandondecora.com slash huge snare. And now back to the show. And you, I mean, you play keys, obviously, and you engineer yourself doing it. How do you maintain that balance between the technical and the creative when you're trying to engineer yourself? Yeah, I, I try not to do too much of that. I do enough of that to sketch out songs. Okay. Um, sometimes what I play ends up on the record. A lot of times it won't because okay. my intention is just to write the song right. and then find the, in other words, write the recipe, but right. then go find the ingredients. So okay. find, find the, the keyboard player that was in my head when I was playing okay. that or right. a certain style. Right. And then, um, yeah. And then find, and then, you know, drums, bass, whatever, mm. whatever the song takes. But, um, yeah, the balance between I, I I know that's a very new age engineering yourself and and recording mm. all the instruments. Yeah, that's not my talent. So I think <laughs> I know my strengths. Okay. Yeah. 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 I envy the those all the the youngsters that can right, right. do that and grew up in that in that age. So you work with like session musicians basically to do that. Yes, I work with a lot of very talented session musicians mm -hmm. uh, from the Bay Area, from LA, um, cool. and now you know because of the internet. Um, you know, a lot of musicians overseas. Some I haven't met, right. might not ever meet. Yeah, um, but some great collaborations. Yeah, right. some my one of my favorite trumpet players, Fred Posse. He's from Canada, so we will just fly tracks back and forth. Okay. Um, and do you do stuff remote with them, or you're kind of with them in the studio, directing um, them, or are you just send? No, the files? we 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 
we have we send we send files, but we have conversations. We have right. a video chat, and we okay. we really get into the song and 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 the energy just as if we were in the room together. Gotcha. Um, but they would just cut it on their own, and um, okay. um, and you send revisions back and forth. Right. Uh, right. The ideal way for me to do it is for you to be in us to be in the room together. Of course. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of great collaborations I've worked on that um, were with people that weren't in the same room or people mm-hmm. I haven't haven't met in person right, right and is there any like you know techniques you use to kind of optimize when you're working remotely with someone to get the best performances i know it's hard because you're not there when the red light's on but... yeah <clears throat> well yeah i mean references for sure mm-hmm. um and before i work some before i work with somebody um i listen to their work right. I, I i read up on them um so i i know a little bit about their their heart and their soul, right? And so I might reference a particular song they did and say, you know, the way you played on this right, is more okay. like what I'm looking for. Right. So nice. just a lot of a lot of references, yeah. A lot of listening. Right. And how do you encourage innovation and creativity in artists who may be stuck in a particular style or mindset? Think about it this way. It's not it's not so much about what you're creating at at what time. It's more so that you are creating, that you're active, yeah. that you're putting some oil on the canvas every day. Right. And I encourage them to let that painting be what it's going to be mm-hmm. versus saying, I'm going to paint something like, you know, Van Gogh or like Basquiat. Right. And because we're not anyways. Yeah. Uh, just paint <laughs> what you're painting and don't, don't start inside the box. Don't right. start in a box. Right, that's right. the thing. And so that's what I try to tell them, especially the ones that are that feel stuck, is, you know, I'll say, imagine this, you're trying to make a song like this person. Imagine that song without any of the instruments, just that person playing it on the yeah. piano or a cappella. Mm-hmm. Imagine what that could be. Right. What if they would have added a different instrument? What if they hired a different producer? Mm-hmm. What if it was, you know, harmonized? What if, it was, what if somebody else sang it? Right. And so just thinking of, every other way to look at this piece of art mm-hmm. instead of just for the one idea that they have in their head. Cause that's the way I look at everything. Um, everything that I look at, I, I imagine a different version of it, you know, right. a painting on the wall. Um, what if the skeleton on the wall had hair and what kind of yeah. hair would it have, <laughs> you know, that kind of right. stuff. So even in the middle of an interview, just right. like every everything. option. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And how do you read energy in the room, and what techniques do you use to shift it if needed? Shifting energy. I, I think reading energy, sure. Um, right. sh- I, I think how? I don't know. I think f- from, from learning the traditional way of producing with people in the room, with songwriters, singers, mm-hmm. musicians, engineers, um, I think that comes naturally. Right. Right. You you can feel when there's tension building in a session. Mm-hmm. You can feel when it's free flowing. You can usually pinpoint down to a person or a thing said mm-hmm. or a look that created that tension. Right. And so the shift is the tough part. I think um, for me early on, I remember a session in the early 2000s and there was a bass player, he was a stand-up bass player, and he 
I had a rhythm section that I was used to working with. Right. But I brought in a new bass player because he had the stand-up bass. Okay. And he created some tension there, and I could tell it affected the other players and other people in the room. Mm-hmm. And so at that moment, I tried to shift the energy, but I didn't have control over it. So I ended up just sending him home. Yeah. <laughs> because that was the negative energy, so right. I had to s- s- sweep it out the door. Right. <laughs> and sometimes that means making an a uncomfortable, yeah. awkward decision. And that's right. also part of being a producer. Exactly. And so that's one way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just an- kick their ass out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another way um, is just, it's more, it's less shifting the energy in the room. It's more um, how I shift it within myself. Right. And just say, okay, this thing's going to pass through me for the next however long. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to go. And it's not gonna it's not gonna ruin the whole pie, right? right? I'm gonna pick it out, right. clean it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's just different ways, but it, there's no one way. You just have to read the room, as as yeah, they say. You exactly. Know? Yeah. And how do you approach the psychological aspects of performance, such as anxiety or lack of confidence? That's a tough one, um, but as as a performer but as a producer it's okay because you know we work the as producers we work in in the studios we work in our labs right so we can try things 400 times right you know we can we can try 400 hi-hats yeah 400 <laughs> snares and be okay exactly and the anxiety will work <laughs> work yeah. in and out right um and and but as far as you know, outside of the studio as a producer, having the anxiety, mm-hmm. the um, you know imposter syndrome, yeah. which are very real, um, I'm still learning how to walk with that, yeah, and and and, and thrive through it. So I just keep good, try to keep the best people around me that right. remind me that, yeah, this is passing through. This is not. This is not a. This is a snapshot. This is not who you are. Right. And I do keep good people around me that remind me that I'm. I'm up to good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just got to keep doing it, whether yeah. you're scared, yeah, or you're sad or anxious. You have to sh- keep showing up. Yeah. Um. So you know. So that's. That's the best I can do is keep good people around me, um, and also just self. Doing an inner work, you know, behavioral therapy um, has been really important. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's basically looking in and reminding yourself, you know, you're good, you're great. Um, All these feelings you feel, they are real, but, but, you know, those bad ones, they don't, they don't define you. Right. It doesn't have to have a grip on you. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And is there any uh, current or recent projects you want to share? Current or recent projects. Um, so I, in 2017, I released an EP of cover songs called Reimaginings. Okay. And this year I'm working on the follow-up to that. Okay. I've actually been working on it for maybe the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm focusing on now um, as far as recording-wise and... 
Yeah, also there's a lot of artists that I've been looking forward to collaborating with who I owe collaborations to yeah. <laughs> that I want to make good on. Right. And so there's a lot of talented singers, musicians, mm -hmm. MCs cool. that I'll be working with soon. Um, and just, yeah, going where, wherever uh, somebody will have me. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I like to wrap up each podcast with the same kind of set of questions. Uh, the first one is, who is your most influential teacher? Well, and it can be a couple. I just yeah. One. My first <laughs> mentor in producing was a uh, is a um, a producer named Frank Doherty, mm -hmm. and he used to produce for Concord Records, the jazz okay. label, back in sixties, seventies. Right, okay. Cal Jader. He did some Cal Jader records huh. and Art Blakey, mm -hmm. and he was my first professor at Las Madonnas College, okay. and I took a session producing class. And I remember on the first day him saying, and I, I didn't know what a producer was. I was just curious. <clears throat> right. So I signed up for the classes. But at that right. point, I had just played a little piano. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, if you think, <clears throat> if you have, um, you know, a beat machine and a couple of turntables and a mic and you call yourself a producer, you're in trouble. <laughs> and so... And that's what you had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I said, well, yeah, teach me, you know. Um, and then he also said, he said that his, his father told him, uh, never, never believe your own press releases. Right. Okay. And then the other thing he said, uh, he told us, it was pretty funny, but it was, it's real. He said, he said, there's five words that you guys want to know the secret to making it. And it's mm -hmm. five words. And he said, Never, never, never give up. Right. And it's just, you know, it's like I said, if you're putting some, some oil on the canvas every day, that's right. sometimes just that's what that means. It doesn't yeah. mean that you clocked 16 hours in a session or it doesn't mean that mm -hmm. you made a song, but you woke up and, and with intention did something towards your, you put in on your dream. Right. And so, you know, he was a really good mentor um, to me. And he, you know, he showed us the traditional way of, producing records mm -hmm. um and because not just about the technical aspect about it's not just about miking technique right. or uh, you know hardware it's about the people yes and, and about how you know something so simple as you know the artist is having a really hard time uh getting this take right, right. but you know they insist right mm -hmm. so maybe you don't tell that artist that you need to take five you say hey guys we have a technical issue in here. We need yeah. five minutes. Yeah. And sometimes exactly. that's all the artists needed because they, they got a glass of water, they got fresh air, and they came back. Yeah. And then exactly. maybe they could listen to what they had just done, right? Right. Um, it's as simple as, you know, feeding your musicians, keeping <laughs> yes. them happy. Like those little things. <laughs> and your engineers. And your engineers, too. Yeah, yeah. And make sure there's vegan yes. options. Uh, so it's all those, it's, it's a thousand little things. Yes that make up a good producer in, in my mind. Yeah. And a lot of it has nothing to do with music and everything to do with people. Of course. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the next question is what is, well, really it's what is your favorite reference track if you're going to a new studio to learn the room or something, but it could be a track that inspires you. Um, if I want to check somebody's speakers, uh, I'll just put on anything from Thriller. Okay. <laughs> because sonically, it's amazing. Musically, it's amazing. The songwriting is amazing. The right. musicianship, the artistry, 
it's a perfect album. Um, yeah, thriller. Cool. Awesome. Uh, last question would be, what would be one tidbit you have for an upcoming producer? I would pass on a tidbit that I got from one of my favorite singer-songwriters, artists, um, uh, Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. And I remember he told me once, I can't remember what I was asking him, but I remember hearing his answer was so short and, I, and it took me a minute because I thought, well, that's it. But the idea had to really sit, sit with me right. to get it. And he said, just make music that moves you. Yeah. So, you know, make music that moves you. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about anybody else's right. feelings. You're feeling things. That's why you're creating. Exactly. So whatever moves you, let that thing out. Because if, if it gave you goosebumps, then it's going to do that for somebody else. Right. And it's not your job to decide if that's going to be a million or a thousand. But right. I think that if you can give somebody else goosebumps, man, you're doing something right. Right. So make mu- make music that moves you because, you know, when it gets really tough trying to make a business out of it, mm-hmm. um, why are you going to fight for something that doesn't move you? Right. You're just going to get another day job or something else for money. Yeah. But something that moves you is something you love, mm-hmm. right? You don't, you know, you you fight with your brothers every day, every night, but <laughs> the next morning you're still brothers. Right. Right. Because there's it's family it's love right so um make music that moves you cool yeah awesome well thank you so much man i really appreciate you being on the show thank you for having me this is an honor thank you so much cool thanks so much for checking out the show make sure to subscribe and leave a review or comment i'll see you next week